Well, amen. You said, I've gone different places, and they said, well, our mic's not working very well. And I said, well, that's not really an issue with me. Okay. And uh, I know James held up from telling a bad joke. <laughs> Left it up to me. It would have been a good joke. It also have been told in a better manner. And so I didn't want to disappoint anybody tonight. And the first one is mine, or, you know, something I enjoy. And the second one has a point in my message. Okay? The pastor had a kitten that climbed up a tree in his backyard and then was afraid to come down. So the, the pastor coaxed and offered warm milk, etc. The kitty would not come down. The tree was not sturdy enough to climb, so the pastor decided that if he tied a rope to his car and pulled until the tree bent down, he could then reach up and take the kitten out of the tree. And that's what he did. All the while checking his progress in the car, he then figured that if he went just a little bit further, the tree would be sufficiently bent for him to reach the kitten. But as he moved the car a little further forward, the rope broke. The tree went boing, and the kitten instantly sailed through the air out of sight. The pastor felt terrible. He walked all over the neighborhood asking people if they'd seen a little kitten. No, nobody has seen a stray kitten, so they pray, he prayed, Lord, I commit this kitten into your keeping. He went on about his business. A few days later, as he was at the grocery store and met one of his church members, he happened to look into a shopping cart and was amazed to see cat food. This woman was a cat hater. And everyone knew it. So he asked her, why are you buying cat food when you hate cats so much? She replied, you won't believe this. And then told him how little his, uh, her little girl had been begging her for a cat, but she kept refusing. Then a few days before, the child had begged again, and so mom finally told her, well, if God gives you a cat, you can keep it. She told the pastor, I watched my child go out in the yard, get on her knees, and ask God for a cat. Really, pastor? You won't believe this. But I saw it with my own eyes. A kitten suddenly came flying out of the blue sky with, <laughs> with its paws outspread and landed right in front of her. So now we have a cat. Okay. Yes. All right. Teacher, if you had one dollar and you asked your father for another, how many dollars would you have? Little Johnny. One dollar. Teacher, you don't know your arithmetic. Johnny, no, you don't know my father. So many times we end up in problems, we end up struggling. Unsaved and saved alike, because you know who we don't really know? We don't know the Father. The title of tonight's message is Blessed Be God. I want you to turn to First Chronicles chapter 29. It'll be our opening text, 1 Chronicles 29. I'm going to start at verse 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, 
and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. The title of tonight's message, I said, is Blessed Be God. In Psalm 68 and verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Now turn to Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Psalm 66 and verse 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. These are our in-house revival meetings. That's what they're called, right? We've had them now for a couple of years. This is our third year. Third year we're doing this. And uh, I want you to understand, uh, I told Howard last night that you, all, you were stealing part of my message. I think you're going to see, if I can do this right, how God used what Stephen preached to be also fitting into this. That's something that you've noticed. It's happened each night during these meetings. There are in our house of revival meetings. The word revive is a verb. It's an action word. Okay? And the definition of revive from Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary is to return to life, to recover life, to recover new life or vigor, to be reanimated after depression, to recover from a state of neglect, oblivion, obscurity, or depression. Revival is a noun. Definition is to return, recall, or recovering to life from death. The problem we have in Christianity today is there's too many dead churches filled with dead believers. To return or recall to activity from a state of languor. As to the revival of spirits, to recall, return, or recovery from a state of neglect, renewed in more active attention to religion, i.e., an awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. True revival is to see God as He is truly, and to see oneself truly in relationship to Him. I said the title is Blessed Be God. The word blessed is used in relationship. In, in our Bible, I look, there's a lot of references. Blessed in relationship to God. And when I say God, I mean God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. When it's used that, it means to show adoration. Or to literally to bow before. If we want revival, we need to be in a place in our lives where we could see, say, blessed be God. Tonight I want us to see our Heavenly Father and our Savior in such a way as to revive our spirits, our souls, our hearts, our minds, our wills, so that we can live 
praising him in our life. Having him in adoration in our lives, praising him in our lives to ourselves. Singing to ourselves or speaking to ourselves in psalms, hymns, in spiritual songs, singing, making melody in our what? Heart unto the Lord. Okay? It's to ourselves and then to others. True revival in a person's heart won't have them always dwelling upon themselves. It'll have them dwelling upon those that God dwells upon, and that would be others. Now the phrase, blessed be God, and see you're fortunate tonight, it only appears in three places in the New Testament. I didn't go to all of them in the, New, in the Old Testament, but it only appears three times in the New Testament, and these will be the points of tonight's message. Okay, You didn't think I could get through my introduction by 10 after, did you, Pastor? I love this. I'm calling him pastor and he's calling me preacher. He's always called me preacher. Okay? Now I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I wanted to read many more verses there, but for the sake of time, right, Howard? We have to shorten. Okay? It's a passage that I use many times in a funeral service when I'm trying to bring a message of comfort to others at the passing of a loved one. In verse 3 it says, Blessed be God. That's the first time it appears in the New Testament. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in what? All our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in what? Any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I look at that and I want you to know a revived heart comforts others. It comforts others. And it says here, the God of all comfort. I want you to think of all comfort. No matter what you are going through, no matter what you are dealing with, no matter how heavy the tribulation is on you or the trouble that you're facing or the sorrow that you're dealing with, it says, He is the God of all comfort. I watch people so many times and they won't turn to him for that comfort. They look for it in things of the world. Do you know that's what causes most addiction? He's the God of all comfort. Because only truly can God comfort you no matter what the circumstance. What the circumstance I like it in that passage because it says there, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Mercies, and the God of all comfort. Do you realize that the comfort God offers is tied to God's mercy towards us? 
his mercy. Mercy is not receiving the judgment due you for the wrong you have done. The Bible says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. But comfort is always tied to that mercy because, honestly, when you see who God is, when Jesus, Jesus said this, he said, if I, if I be lifted what? up, I will draw all men unto me. That is the picture of the Father's mercy to his children. In counseling so many people, and I talk to them, and I want them to understand God's love for them. And I have to talk to them about how he's a heavenly father. And so many times, do you realize in the day and age we live, that's not comforting to that person because of the father that they had or they have? Because the father makes it about himself? and not about the need of their comfort. It's tied to his mercy. If I ever got what I deserved, I want you to think about this. Do you realize what it'd be if someone knew every thought that went through my mind? Be honest about it, man. I remember growing up, and uh, my mom was witnessing to a lady that used to work as a waitress where she she worked at Pleasant Beach Hotel in Fairhaven. And she'd always tell her, you know, just got to wait on God. This woman, horrible childhood. Horrible marriage. And she had a horrible neighbor. And she turned around and she told me, I had it. That's enough. I can't deal with her anymore. And my mom would say, honey, you don't know what that woman's going through. I said, I can't deal with this. I just want God to strike her dead. Two days later, that woman went to bed that night, the one who was the horrible neighbor, and she didn't wake up the next morning. And the devil used that in the woman that my mom was trying to talk to because she believed I killed her. We never know. We never know. You know, I tell people all the time, in the book of Jude, it says, on some have compassion, making the difference. I want to start with that first. When they reject the compassionate love of God, then, and others hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You can't bring them through the love of God. You've got to show them the judgment of God. But they need to know who he is in relationship to them. It goes on here and it says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now, Psalm 23. Right? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What? I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in. He leadeth me beside, he restoreth my, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art. So many times, 
I heard people say, well, my father wasn't present in my life. He was too busy. I know he loved me. He just wasn't there. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. His leading and his protection. You know, I'm not going to spend time preaching on you what the rod and the staff was used for. But the sheep knew the shepherd had that. And he would use the staff and the rod and the way it was shaped to keep them from trouble and close to him. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Go to Psalm 34. We'll do this quickly. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, blessed be God. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof in what? Who can comfort us in any, tribu in all tribu in any tribulation that we may be able to comfort others in any trouble? My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let, me. let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. See, he magnified the Lord who brought him through, and others looked to him. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Look at verse 15 of the same psalm. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and if you're here tonight and you're saved, you have God's righteousness. That's part of your salvation given to you freely by Jesus Christ. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite heart. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them. What? All. Psalm 119 and verse 50 says this, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me, made me alive. Psalm 119 and verse 76, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Blessed be God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in any tribulation. Why? Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort we ourselves are comforted of God. He comforts us. Through 
the tribulation, through the trial, through the trouble, not taking us from them. Kind of ties in why you have to wait sometimes, doesn't it? You gotta go through it. It's so we can comfort others. The revived heart wants to be able to comfort others so they might know the blessed God that they themselves have. Second one, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. This is where Howard was stomping on the beginning of the, the point. Blessed be God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings. So many times, you know, when people say, Oh, God blessed me. Look what I got. You know what that is sometimes? You want it so much, you want it so much, you want it so much. He does what? He gives them their request and sends leanness into their soul because they put so much emphasis on what they think is the blessing and they lose sight of the blesser. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Every time I have a Calvinist take me to this passage, I point to them how many times it says, in Christ. Because you want your predestination, you got to be in Christ. <laughs> According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Man, Spirit blessed us in the, a revived heart wants to bless others. Do you hear me? When you pray for revival, are you willing to look at the God who gives it? Are you willing to look that he brings you through problems and doesn't keep you from the problems? Because he wants to use you to reach someone else going through the problems. And a revived heart will be willing to. It says, blessed be God, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Tonight, you're sitting here. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. We've had people, different times as young people, who thought they were saved and then had a great fear of hell and ended up getting saved at a later date. We've had people who have gotten saved who pulled away from God for a time and became fearful. And when God revived their heart, they returned to him. It says in heavenly places, and it says there that we're chosen where? In him, before the foundation of the world. 
Now, who was there before the foundation of the world? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. You can find it in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. You see all parts of the Godhead working there. And he's chosen us before the foundation world that we should be what? Look at the text. According as he hath chosen us in him, that's in Christ, before the foundation of the world, because that's where Jesus was. That's where the plan was established before Lucifer ever fell. The plan was already put into play. That we should be what? So he's chosen us in Christ Jesus that we should be holy. And without blame. Before him in love. You can't be holy without Jesus Christ. You can't get rid of the blame without Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and from all unrighteousness. That's why you don't see God rehearsing the sins of the Old Testament saints in the New Testament. Goes on there in verse 5 and says, Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. So you're predestined that when you are in Christ, you receive the adoption of children into his family. Definition of predestinate. To limit in advance, to determine before, to appoint or ordain beforehand by an unchangeable purpose. That's what you're predestinated to. To the adoption. When you're in Christ, you are now brought into a family. And so many times, maybe you don't feel like you fit in the world's family or the family you were born into. But when you come to Christ, you're his. And he is mine. He is yours. Adoption literally means to make part of a family by choice. I love that. You know, some people, they turn around and they think a child, they didn't plan, you know. Uh, you hear every now and then a, a parent, they don't say it in front of the child, but they go, yeah, we went just so long, you know, we had our kids, and all of a sudden, 10 years later, we had a whoops. They were born into that family, loved. But you know, there's no whoopses with an adopted child. They're chosen by love to be made part of that family. Not only so, that it's declared legally. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Becoming part of a family should not instill fear. You raise children by providing them security. I didn't see you spoil them, give them their way. You provide security. You know that boundaries provide security. Different message. But... You have not received the spirit 
of bondage again to fear, but ye receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, so if be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Isn't that an amazing statement? Now, verses 19 through 23 talks to us about that. But I want you to know, it talks about the creation, the creature. Getting in on this, but in verse 23, and it says, Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for what? The adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what does he hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do with patience. Gee, was that kind of one of the points about waiting? Patience, wait for it. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 4 says this. But when the fullness of time was come, God was sent. God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. The legal transaction. That we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. Through Christ. The blessing of God in that text in spiritual places. When you don't belong someplace, you belong to him. When you don't feel at home, there's a blessing of being at home with him. I can remember a song. It's, a, it's not a hymn, but I can't remember all the words of the song. And it's talking about looking at heaven. And it says, waking up in glory and finding it home. Home. And it goes on in our text in Ephesians chapter 1. It tells us, having be predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, where he hath made us, what? Accepted in the, the beloved. According to the good pleasure of God's will, it pleases God to bless. Makes us, what? A church family ought to be a place where people can come and be accepted in the beloved in the beloved accepted in the beloved isn't that the greatest blessing you can have things that you receive they wear out and break houses you may live in they fall down relationships with God continue Accepted in the beloved. Last point. Sorry. First Peter chapter 1. We'll try not to tarry too long. See, God is a God of comfort. We need to comfort others. 
God is a God of blessing. We need to be a blessing to others. We ought to make them feel accepted in the beloved. Amen? And thirdly, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a what? Lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by who? Not by me. Blessed be God, he keeps me. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation that the trial of your faith being more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with the fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. It's a lively hope, a lively hope. You can't get away from how God works. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God, that not only so we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. It's a lively hope. Do you know that life begets life? And hope begets hope. And it's by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're told in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of are all men most miserable. But that's not where our hope is. It tells us in verse 4 there in 1 Peter that it's an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. I didn't make the reservation. He did. And it says, kept by the power of God. See, a revived heart has hope. Has hope. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in. My sheep hear my voice, and I give unto them eternal life. Goes on and says, And no man can pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is greater than all, no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You want eternal security? It's based in the hope of God. It says to be revealed in the last time. The last time. Why? So that we can, in our text, verses 6 and 7, 
we can rejoice in temptations. <laughs> you know, when your heart is revived, you can say, well, praise God. He's bringing me through a new one. Hmm? Rejoicing in temptations and the trials of your faith? Why? That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with the fire, might be found unto the praise, the honor, and glory. When? At the appearing of Jesus Christ. At his coming. Praising him in hope because of believing his promises. Hebrews 10, and we'll close. I talked to pastor about this message, and he took me to this passage. Verse 35. I want you to listen to the words. Hebrews 10, 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. That's perdition. That's talking of unsaved people but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Please stand. Blessed be God, because he is a God of comfort. Are you comforting others? You want revival? Don't make it about you. Make it about them. Blessed be God because he's a God of blessing. A revived heart will want to be a blessing to others. And the last point there is, blessed be God because he's a God of hope. I'm not quoting this verse right, but I'm thinking of this thing that it says, when my heart faileth me, God is greater than my heart and knoweth all things. Comfort, blessing, and hope. Willing to come tonight and let the Lord revive your heart. You'll be a blessing to others. You'll be comforting others. And you'll have a hope that'll take you through any trial. Pastor.